Hello and welcome to episode 149 of Killer Hangover. My name is Beth. And I'm Bettina. And this is episode 149 and I still don't know how to do an introduction. (laughs) Oh, how the heck are you, mom? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Mom just got back from a a good uh, trip. A, a good a, good a trip yes a good old trip <laughs> yes I did I was in Mexico during the day of the dead so I got to see the largest Katrina in the world it was fabulous it was so much fun and it just happened to be that time we didn't plan that <laughs> but then after that we went on a little cruise yeah we took a little break away from Kansas for a while yeah and Two days before we left, I stubbed my toe in the garden and I thought, oh, it's just a, I just stubbed my toe. No big deal. Carry on. Mm -mm. So I Mm -mm. walked the beach. I walked miles, actually. Every place we went, we just walked and walked and walked and walked and it hurt and hurt and hurt and it wasn't getting better. It was getting worse. So I got x-rayed yesterday and I have two breaks in my little toe and a slight little break in my foot. Boom. Did it just kill when you were walking? It didn't kill. It hurt, but it didn't. I have a really high pain tolerance too, but still. I know it, you it, do. It was just really super, super sore. And, you know, I mean. Yeah, but, one but you thought on, you just stubbed it. So what did you do out in the garden that you that you broke it? I mean. I, don't, I hit it just right, I guess. Oh, gosh. And you yes, and your wearing, feet. I was wearing sandals. You always, between your ankles and your feet, there's something always breaking down there. (laughs) Broken an ankle. Breaking, fracturing, spraining down there. I'm like, when we were in Mexico with the group of people we were with, I'm like, (laughs) wouldn't it be funny if I text you all when I get back and say, yeah, my foot was broken the whole time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it Uh, happened right after you had just had Evelyn for the week you had had her can you imagine right after that and right before I came to your house to watch all the kiddos can you imagine if it would have happened while you had her I would have I mean I guess you walked a beach you could have probably (laughs) dealt with I've walked for miles on this foot so yeah it's not like she's running around anywhere (laughs) (laughs) she's just she's just really heavy uh <laughs> anyway, okay, episode 149. Like right? I mean, yeah, for those uh not watching on YouTube, <laughs> mom. That was a head explosion. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that clarification. <laughs> I have the true crime this week. I have the paranormal and the drink. Yes. Yes. So I told Beth. Yes. I yes. was drinking a <laughs> gin and tonic. She's like, mom, a gin and tonic. Like That but sounds so boring. It does. But there's a reason. I'm using a special gin. It's called aviation. Does go with my little story. Aviation. I don't know if you can buy this on the shelves in the liquor store. 
but my sister and I put down a lot of these on our way to Alaska. (laughs) And then I was very excited to find out that they were on the American flight, American Airlines flight to Mexico also. Yay, yay. So (laughs) I was like, I've got to use this. And then I'm using this wonderful tonic. I think you've had this before too, right? Mm, That's my favorite. It's so good. So these together, I wish I could tell you that I had a lime in it, but as I just got home from a trip, I don't have much in my refrigerator, so I don't have a lime. Well, for those listening again, mom, what is the name of that tonic? Oh yeah, I forgot. You poor listeners. Spectacular tonic. (laughs) Uh, Katie, my sister got me this awesome mocktail kit for this last, was it my birthday or Christmas, Katie? I forget. Uh, and every month I got this awesome mocktail that would come and it came in this cute box and it would come with all the ingredients like dried fruits and usually, um, that kind of a tonic and just, oh my gosh. They had this whiskey. It was an alcohol-free whiskey that it came with one of the... I'm on search for this because it was so good. Wow. Sometimes you just want a, a cocktail, but you don't really want the hangover. I, I don't know. You don't I, want the buzz? No. no. I know that sounds crazy because like, what's the point? But it was really good. No. It was really I, tasty. Yeah. So once again, aviation... <laughs> She's holding it up like Vanna White. And for those of you who can't see, it's a little airline bottle that they give you. Yeah, she's holding up a little dinky bottle. Because I just haven't, it's from Batch Distilled. Oh, Batch Distilled is not from there. I can't read the writing. It's really small. (laughs) I was like, we're going to be here all day. (laughs) Cricket, cricket, cricket. Anyway, that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) <laughs> oh boy okay so uh thank you thank you for that mom thank you american <laughs> airlines <laughs> oh oh boy okay um well <clears throat> are you ready for this mom i'm ready are you comfortable with your boring gin and tonic over there? You're Stop spectacular. Boring. This gin is the best gin I've ever had. No, mom. It's spectacular gin and tonic. That's just spectacular tonic. And it's no. aviation gin, which makes. No, don't, don't try it. <laughs> don't, don't try it. Spectation. That's the name of my drink. Spectation. Moving on. Okay, so <laughs> this one is expectation. I'm sorry. <laughs> wow, it took you that long. <laughs> no, I, it doesn't even make any sense. It does. Spectacular, spectacular aviation, aviation, <laughs> My story is a doozy. I'll be a doozy. The mysterious disappearance of Bryce Lespisa. Have you ever heard this story? No. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Bryce was born April 30th, 1994 
to Mike and Karen Laspisa. They lived in Naperville, Illinois, outside of Chicago. I've been there. He was, I have two. (laughs) He was their only child. And according to Mike and Karen, the three were very close. Bryce was a very friendly guy. He was very artistic with love for graphic design and art. He, okay, I'm going to send you a picture. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I shall accept it. So how are you liking this weather? Oh, don't even. Don't even. I thought we were going to get through this without weather. Okay. Text has been sent. Okay. Did you get it? I did. Okay. So Bryce. What's that tattoo he has? Well, I will get there, mother. Oh, okay. It's just really interesting. It's very interesting. So he had beautiful green eyes. I mean, gorgeous green eyes that complemented his utterly perfect stark red hair. I mean, that's my perfect combination. I always wanted to have green eyes and red hair always from my love of Ariel when I was a little girl (laughs) to my love of Satine in the Moulin Rouge. Like I wanted that since I can remember. I think it's stunning. And Bryce had the most gorgeous smile to go along with it. He's got great teeth. He does have great teeth. He's got very nice smile. Very great smile. He's very handsome. Uh, He graduated high school in 2012. And right after graduation, he and his parents moved away from Illinois. So Karen and Mike, they worked their booties off and they actually retired early. So they retired the same year that he graduated, that Bryce graduated from high school wow. and they retired at the exact same time that he graduated and they moved to, sorry, I looked away from my notes, Laguna Niguel, California. So they moved all the way from Illinois to California. So they moved there right after Bryce graduates from high school. Now where in California, I'm sorry, I missed the name. Laguna Niguel. Okay. It's in Orange County. Is that like around the Laguna Beach area? It is. They're like 20 minutes apart-ish. It's still, it's Orange County. Okay. They move out there and Bryce starts his freshman year of college at Sierra College in Rockland, California. Now, I need to stop and chat about all this for a second. Okay. First, they move away from the only home that Bryce has ever known. Think about that for a second. And I know everybody moves away and goes away to college. Like, not everybody, but a lot of people move away and go away to college. Like, I get that. But he's moving away from anybody, everybody he's ever known. And then he doesn't even, like, stay near his parents when he starts college. So he's moving to a totally different state. So I found that a little odd, but I guess you're trying to get away to, they're eight hours apart. Okay. There's in the same state. They're in the same state. Sure. You said they're they're not even in the same state. I'm sorry. I was not correcting you. From Illinois, from Illinois. So he's moving from all of his friends and everybody that he's. Yeah. Even if people go to college, they still have a home base, right? And he doesn't. Right. That's what I mean. He won't even have a home base. And now he's not even going to be like near his home base. Sorry, I didn't make that clear. Um, He's not even, you know what I mean? Like now he doesn't, I just found that kind of odd. And it's not like he even went to 
like a college or university. He went to basically a, a community college, kind of a college. Oh, okay. So it's, so I, it, so even that's a little strange. Cause it's like, so you move away from the only home you've ever known all of your friends with your mom and your dad. So you, you're three are together, but then when you move away to a totally different state, you go to school eight miles or eight miles, eight <laughs> hours away from them. Uh, okay. Do, 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 do. Laguna Niguel is south of Los Angeles and Rockland, where his college mm-hmm. is, is just north of Sacramento. It's northeast of San Francisco. Oh, wow. So it's like very far apart. I don't know. I just thought that was a little interesting but to make. Maybe note that of. community college offered something, a specialty or something that he is interested in. And that's a really good point. It is a graphic design school. So maybe that's why he chose it because he loved art and he loved graphic design. And that was kind of where he was leaning towards. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that did play a part. That is, that is something to consider. Um, but there's going to be a couple of times in this episode that I'm going to say pause and I'm going to make note of some things. Okay. Because I have some opinions. You have opinions? <laughs> I mean, maybe. And um, then you can spout some of your opinions and then we can unpause and go back to the story. Okay, moving on. Okay. Unpause. <laughs> he does really well at school and nothing sticks out as weird, I guess you could say. He gets decent grades. He makes a lot of friends everywhere. Notes that even through high school, elementary school, everything, like he's just a very friendly guy. He you know, unfortunately, as these stories go, as the victims go, he lit up a room. He's just one of those people that just it's a very bubbly, friendly, nice guy. And he really had a great first year of college. He, uh, I mean, his Karen, his mom said that he made decent grades. He made a lot of friends. And Karen said all the while attaining a good relationship with his parents, he stayed in touch with them. She said he could talk to her about anything. And a documentary I watched called uh, Disappeared, you know, the show Disappeared, Mm -hmm. they covered this, uh, this case. And she said that he got that from her, that she's an open book and he was an open book. They just really could talk about anything to one another. And he did seem to really love his parents because he got their initials tattooed on his shoulder, along with a large Taurus bullhead and the Roman numerals of his birthday. That's that large tattoo that is on his shoulder. It's a tar- Taurus bullhead. Oh, because he was a Taurus. Mm-hmm. Like me. Oh, boy. Like you, mother. Like you. Okay. So huh. he made a lot of friends he made the dean's list he lived in the dorms he started dating a girl you know became pretty serious her name was kim uh pretty normal freshman college experience i'd say he then moved back home for the summer again his parents said there was nothing out of the ordinary it was a pretty normal summer and now it's fall of 2013, Bryce is 19 years old, and he heads to school two weeks early for his sophomore year of college. This year, he's living with his close friend he had made from the year before. His name is Sean, and they're living on a campus, in a campus apartment. 
uh, classes would start August 26th. And Bryce called Karen after his first day of classes, super excited about his classes, especially his speech and his web design class. He said they went well. He was walking home. He just said everything was going great. He was really excited about the school year. And she said it was sounded like it was going to be a good year. The following day, though, Karen gets another call, this time from Bryce's roommate, Sean. And Sean is very concerned with Bryce. He says that Bryce's personality had completely changed. He said he told Karen that Bryce had been drinking very heavily and he had been staying up and playing video games. Okay, pause. A couple things to note here. I don't know if I'd ever, if I've ever been in a situation where I was so concerned with a friend that I'd call their mom. Like, I've been really concerned with a friend where I'd sat down with that friend and talked to that friend. But to call a parent? Me and a couple girlfriends have sat down to talk to that friend. But I think it'd be a really big deal if I picked up the phone and called my roommate or my friend's mom. It'd be like a life or death situation. It would have to be a really big deal, wouldn't it? I I would I would think so. I mean, I thought it odd. And how long has this behavior been going on? He'd only been at school for two weeks. So he went to school two weeks. Right. Before so, classes so started. The it had only, had only he'd been only going... had one day of classes itself, but he'd only been up at school for two weeks. So if he was, I mean, I'm sorry, it's not that odd that he's drinking and playing video games because, I mean, he doesn't have anything to do during the day, I would assume, while he's waiting for classes. Okay, but it's obviously more than that, though, Mom. If something is bigger you know what I mean like something's obviously bigger than just that if he's calling his mom to say that well and also I don't think playing video games and drinking is that big of a deal no I don't think that and even if Bryce had never done that before and all of a sudden was doing that it's college kids experiment I don't think a roommate would call his mom even just because all of a sudden he's doing that there's way more to the story so uh Bryce had also started recreationally using a drug called Vyvanse. Now, Vyvanse is an ADHD medication. It's kind of like Adderall, and but it's much stronger than Adderall. Oh. Uh, not stronger. I don't know. I don't really know how you can. It's, it's, it's just way more intense from what I have read. And when you take it recreationally and when you don't need it, it has a lot of addiction like methamphetamines. And oh. so oh, okay. he was using that recreationally with drinking. And a couple of his friends had reported him drinking uh, like a fifth of liquor, drinking two of them <gasps> in one in one night on multiple occasions. What the heck's and going on? And he's drinking on this Vivance. And he would be taking this Vyvanse and playing video games. Now, I have friends that have taken like Adderall so that they could stay up all night and party. And that's something that I don't know if that was like, anyway, that happened in college, like all the time so that people could stay up and party. 
And again, I don't know if that's necessarily such a big deal that you I'd call my friend's mom. So something was obviously of concern that he called his mom, you know, he said his personality had changed. So something well, was going on that well, sounds maybe like, he didn't even know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the things that you've described to me are a little bit more than him getting drunk and playing video games. I mean, we're talking two of those bottles in one night mm-hmm. plus the drugs that's that's heavy duty that's like a an alcoholic or a, a heavy drinker so according to resources i don't know exactly what details sean told karen like i don't know if he was like bryce is on vivance like what exactly was told but it was a phone call saying i'm concerned because of Bryce's actions. So I don't know how much in depth Sean got, but it was a phone call saying I'm concerned. Well, in that case, maybe I commend him then for making that phone call. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I wasn't, I wasn't attacking him by any means. I'm just saying like, obviously something was a big concern. And now I can see why he made the phone call. Yeah. 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 The phone call was made. So some resources say that he divulged everything to Karen and some sources say Bryce has changed and just kind of left it at that. You know, I'm just letting you know things are I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. Again, resources are a little off on dates. Some say that that same day they get a phone call from Kim, the girlfriend, Mm -hmm. um, and others say it was the next day. But on that phone call with Sean, Sean says the other thing that Bryce has been doing that's different, that's out of character, is that he was texting, Bryce was texting with his girlfriend, Kim, and he was being weird with Kim. And Kim was like, why are you being weird? Are you breaking up with me? And he said, yeah, I'm breaking up with you. And everybody just found that really weird because Bryce was like in love with Kim that really just didn't make any sense. And the text said something along the lines of, I think you'd be better off without me. She's like, are you breaking up with me? And he's like, yes, I am. Some resources say that it was that night that Kim called Karen and others say it was the following day. Okay. Regardless, Karen gets a phone call from Kim and Bryce had driven up to Kim. Now, Kim was at a different college. She went to college about 90 miles away from Bryce's college now. And Kim is calling Karen because she is concerned about Bryce. Bryce had gone to visit Kim to talk. He had sent that text. And then I think because they had been together for a year now, I think he needed to see her face to face and probably do the right thing and talk to her face to face to either break up face to face or what have you. Okay. And so he is there and Kim is very concerned. And so she takes his keys because she doesn't think he should be driving. And apparently he had told her like, I had some, I had taken that Vyvanse at some point and I had been drinking at some point. And she said, you cannot be driving. You shouldn't be driving. You're acting really weird. And so she took his keys. So Karen's on the phone with with Kim and she's like, let me talk to Bryce. So Kim hands the phone to Bryce and she's like, dude, 
what's going on? And Bryce is like, she's just pissed at me because I broke up with her. This is ridiculous. I just want to go home. I just want to leave. I, I really, I'm fine, mom. I just, this, I just want to go. And according to the documentary I watched, he talked to his mom and his dad and said the same thing to them. She's just mad that I broke up with her. I just want to go home. And he sounded pretty lucid to them. He sounded pretty fine. He just wanted to go home. His mom, Karen, said to him, hey, this is something's just not right. You just don't seem right. You know, things are seem a little off. This is just off. So I'm going to fly up tomorrow and just check up on you. And he goes, no, please don't buy a plane ticket until I talk to you. I'll give you a call later. I have a lot to talk to you about. And she's like, okay, give the phone back to Kim. He gives the phone to Kim and Karen says, give him back his keys and let him go home. Oh, pause. Pause. If you are not there to assess, fully assess the situation, and I understand these are teenagers and I understand this is a breakup and there's probably a lot of dramatics, but this is the second phone call now that's saying that your son's not acting okay. I'm sorry. I'm not putting blame on anybody because I don't know the story, but uh, I, I, I would not have said that. And you're not there to assess the situation. I don't know that I'd be like, give him his keys and let him go. 90 because, miles. I mean, she knew, she knew Kim, right? She'd met Kim. Yeah. She, yeah. she knew her. And, and so, uh, I mean, obviously she trusted her. Why didn't she trust her assessment? Cause Kim was right there. Plus Kim had said that she, that he was on these drugs and had been drinking. I don't want anybody that's drinking to have their car keys back. That's weird. Okay. This is around 1130 at night. Uh, he leaves and Karen gets a phone call from Bryce at 1 a.m. Checking in with her and she's assuming, you know, he's made it back to his apartment and, you know, she he just kind of checks in with her and then they say goodnight. Uh, later investigation will show that his cell phone is pinging about an hour south from his college. So he actually didn't even head to school. Oh, okay. No. Um, 11 a.m. the following morning. So now it's August 29th. Karen receives a voicemail from State Farm saying that their Toyota Highlander, which is the vehicle that they had purchased for Bryce, needed roadside assistance. Now I can only assume that she had tried calling Bryce and he wasn't answering because the next conversation she has is she calls Sean at the apartment and he tells her Bryce never came home last night. So Mike Bryce's dad decides to check Bryce's credit card statements because they still had his, they were in charge of all of his banking information and everything else. They paid his bills so they could log into his banking and see that he paid um, $20 was made 20, a $20 $20 charge was made to Castro tire and truck in button willow, California. And that was only three hours away from them. So they're like, oh, 
Well, then he's just probably heading home. Heading home. Right. Us. So they're like, okay, well, that at least we know at least where he's heading. Button Willow is not even really like town per se. It's kind of like a truck stop-ish town. (laughs) A truck stop-ish place. Okay. And if you live in Button Willow and I just offended you, I'm sorry. But that's from what I understand. It's just kind of like a truck stop place. You just kind of go through it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So Mike, the dad, calls Castro Tire and Truck. And he talks to a man named Christian, the owner. And Christian says, well, yeah, I actually delivered three gallons of gas to Bryce at 9 a.m. this morning. And that was like over three hours ago. He should, you know, obviously that wouldn't have gotten him home, but that could have got that would have gotten him to a gas station. Gas station. And he would have been home by now. So. Christian, hearing the panic in Mike's voice and probably being a parent himself, I'm assuming, uh, he says, I'm going to drive out to where I gave him the gas and I'll make sure that he's not there or stuck there, what have you, at this truck stop. And so he drives out where he had originally met with Bryce. And what do you think he finds? The car. Bryce sitting in his car. He's just been sitting there for the last three hours and christian tells bryce like your parents are really worried about you so christian calls karen and mike back and hands the phone to bryce and karen's like what you doing dude what are you doing and he says nothing and karen's like okay go fill up your car and come home You're about two and a half, three hours away from home. So just go to the gas station, fill up, and come home. Pause. What? Think about that. He's two and a half, three hours from home. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Get in your car, Karen. That's what I was thinking. I'm thinking... Just tell him, just stay where you are. There's obviously something going on with him. Just stay where you are, honey, because I will come up there and meet you in three hours. I will be there right there. So you need to just stay where you are. Christian, I know this is a lot to ask. Can you just keep an eye on him for at least an hour and a half? Like, I know you got stuff to do. I know you're working. Like, I'm so sorry. Just We'll pay you extra. We'll pay. We'll we'll yeah. give you extra money. We'll, but no, just go fill up your car because you've been so trustworthy so far, and drive. <sighs> Sorry. So, Bryce goes and gets gas, and then he says he's gonna head straight home, and he should be there by three o'clock. So, of course, three o'clock comes and goes, and she actually adds a little time because it's a holiday weekend. And she's like, okay, traffic will probably, 3.30 comes, and he's not answering his phone, and they're calling, they're calling, they're calling, and they're calling. A couple more hours goes by, and now it's been six hours. It's been, like, Uh, way too long. So they call the Orange County Sheriff's Department, and they file a missing persons. 
Now, the police obtain an emergency pinging order from AT&T. And we've talked about that before, and that's pretty neat because not all states are able to do that. I don't remember exactly which episode we talked about. It was some um, states. It was Kansas episode, uh, the girl that was taken from the Oak Park Mall. Yeah. And some states don't allow that. And it takes like months to even get a ping order done. It's ridiculous. Which I was arguing with you. Like, I feel like that shouldn't even, I feel like. When you need it, you should get it like right away. I wasn't arguing with me. I totally agree. Not arguing with you. I was arguing with the (laughs) invisible state person. Um, But so I guess California, you you get an emergency ping order and you get it right away. Um, So they did that. And the last ping showed that he was eight miles from the gas station where he had gotten gas. Oh, geez. It had been nine hours since he had gotten gas. Oh, my gosh. At 9.33 p.m., police find Bryce's SUV parked at a hotel. In the car is Bryce. Police approach the car and they're like, yo, bro, <laughs> what's going on? And he told them he was going to visit a friend. Police gave Bryce a field sobriety test, which he passed. He shot, he blip, blip, blip. <laughs> He showed no signs of being impaired by any means. He was very polite. He was in really good spirits. He was funny. He was chatty. He answered all their questions. He even let them search his car, which they found nothing. Like they took everything out and searched it. Oh my gosh. Police told him that his parents were really worried. Like, what are you doing, dude? And he answered, I'm just blowing off steam. And so they weren't necessarily concerned because they're like, well, He's probably just avoiding his parents. Like, they don't know this kid personally. They don't know. Well, they kind of did a welfare check, right? And they found that everything was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Everything on this person is fine. And Mm -hmm. if he says he's just trying to get away and just chill, like, that's what it looks like he's trying to do. Like, And he's he's 19. So. He's just chilling. And I don't know. Should I pause? I should pause. I've been there sometimes. I've just needed to just drive. Like, just drive i i've had to do that right i mean god in college i had to do that especially in college with the pressure of classes or what am i gonna do with my life kind of hits you and i think everybody goes through that you just right gotta drive and so i think these cops understood that okay so unpause at 10 30 police call karen so that was the only thing that police found a little odd is his hesitancy is that a word how hesitant uh bryce was very hesitant and did not want to call really didn't really want to call karen and they were he said like well what if you know you call her and then you give me the phone and they're like okay so they call her and they hand the phone over to bryce so but they they talk to karen sorry i rushed ahead of myself they talk to karen and they tell her about the search they say everything he passed everything the field sobriety test everything 
they kind of said, you know, he's he's totally fine. This the situation, the scene looks fine. And she so she gets on the phone with Bryce and she's like, again, what are you what are you doing, honey? What are you doing? And he says, I'm fine, mom. I'm fine. I'm, I'm going to hang out with friends later. I'm just I'm just chilling. OK, what okay. friends, though? Are we pausing? I'm sorry. No, I'm interrupting. I, no, I'm just it was a pause for Beth to roll her eyes. I don't I don't know. So they tell Karen again, like I said, they tell her about the field sobriety test and everything. And she's like, okay, well, just just come home, honey. Just drive home. Pause. <laughs> Here's your opportunity, Karen. Again. <laughs> No, no, no. You got police officers there now, Karen. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Things are not okay. These police officers don't know personally your kid. You know well, your kid. But there's not much that the police could do. I mean, even if she asked yes, them. there is. Can't you stay with him? Can't you just stay with him? I'm on my way. I don't think that they could. Really, they can't just stay with one normal person in a parking lot. I don't think the police could have done much. I just feel like the whole situation is just so weird. Maybe I just can you do a drive by every you know half hour or something until I'm I get on there? my way. Can you just drive by every thirty minutes and let me know if he's still there? I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I've been on my way. She could have been there, back there, back there, back and there, back again, <laughs> and again. <laughs> oh, oh. Well, what's Mike doing? He's just making phone calls to places. Well, and this this is the thing too. They're both retired. It's not like they're both gonna and you know, somebody can stay home and be home base if they're worried that he is gonna start heading home and he is gonna be calling like their house phone and not a cell phone. One person can start heading that way and the other person can stay home. Like I don't understand this. I don't understand. I would question the friends thing. I mean his Friends are at school, which is what five hours away. He hasn't made any friends in the place that his parents live, not any good friends that he would come down for. I mean, so what friends are these that he's talking about? Oh, I see what you're saying about I yeah. No, I and that's what I would question. What what friends? No idea. (sighs) Unpause. Hours later, no word from Bryce. Karen and Mike, again, are very concerned. So who do they call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Sorry. They call Christian from the tire place. Hi. And he. Yes, that's all I did. He like an angel. Agrees to go check and see if Bryce is still there. And I mean, this is like 13 hours into all of this. Oh my gosh. And yes, as I'm sure you've guessed it, Christian discovers Bryce sitting in his car, still parked at the hotel. Oh my goodness. Christian calls Mike and Karen and tells them, he is going to have Bryce follow him to the highway, which is 30 minutes away, so that he could be sure that he, Bryce is heading their way. 
pause. Think about that for a second. This a kid stranger can't is going to guide this child. He's 19 years old. He's not a child. But to me, my babies will always be my babies. It's going to, I would drop anything and everything for my babies. If they were, if, if a friend calls and says that they're not acting right. And then another friend calls and says, I'm taking away their keys. They're not acting right. I would be there in a split second. I don't care if my kid says, no, I need to talk to you about something. Don't come out here until I talk to you. No, no, no. Mama's going to be there and we're going to talk face to face. I don't care what you say. Something's not right. This doesn't make sense. And and this kid is obviously very disturbed. I mean, he's been sitting in a parking lot for 13 hours or however long. But and- think about how I started this story. They're an open book. They talk about everything. Isn't that what she said? But she said that she has said that in every single interview, but that's not happening right now at all. Not at all. So maybe I'm just playing devil's advocate. This is she, this is totally new for her too, where she doesn't know how to act in this situation. That's a thought too. It's like, I don't know, but it usually talks to me if they are an open book and he's not talking to her that again, he's being a different person. There's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're going to set him on the road. A stranger is going to lead him 30 minutes towards a highway. I mean, right now we know exactly where he's at. So just stay put until someone comes and gets him. Okay. Keep going. I'm getting and all it's like, up. And it's like, you know, in the middle of the night, like midnight, baby, just stay where you are. Park to that hotel parking lot. Close your eyes. I'll be there in a second. Or use your credit card and get a room and go in and and rest in a room and I'll be there. Yeah. I I don't, I don't understand. I really don't. (sighs) Unpause. On the drive, Bryce talks to his parents a few times, stating that his GPS says that he should be arriving at 325 a.m., So his parents are asking for landmarks while he's driving and he's like being very vague about it. They're like, what mile marker does it, what mile marker are you at? And he's like, oh, there's no lights on this road. I can't see what the sign says, Uh, but my GPS says I'll be there at 325. That's what he just keeps saying. At 209, he calls 209 AM. Think about that too. Your kiddo has been driving now for like, are on the road and awake for over 24 hours. Anyway, I forgot to say pause, pause, unpause. Okay. Anyway, at 2.09 a.m., he calls Karen again and says, I'm tired. I'm going to pull over and sleep sleep in my car. Pause. Where is, okay, son. He's like an hour away. He's an hour away. If he's supposed to be there at 325 and he's calling at 209, he's an hour and 20 minutes away. Go get him, Karen. Baby, where are you? Baby, where are you? I know you've got to be so tired. Stop where you are. Pull over. Where are you? I'm coming. Tell me what mile marker you're on because, son, they're reflective. So as soon as your light shines on them, they will tell you what number you are at. (laughs) So... Where are you? Where are you? Baby, I am coming right now. I'm in the car. I get heated every time I listen, read, 
anything about this case, like Bryce is still out there and I could get in the car and go get him to this day. Every time I just get so <sighs> upset. I mean, what are you going to do, Karen? Are you going to sleep? No. Are you sleeping right now? No, she's probably sitting around the table having a cup of coffee, just as anxious as could be. Maybe it just didn't even enter her mind to go. I don't know. I don't know what her mind frame is. I. It's not like she's old either. They retired young. No. <laughs> no. And I can't. I'm not. She loved her son. Loves her son. I. I just don't understand this. I don't understand why your baby is showing these many signs and is this close. And he, I don't care if a police officer said he's okay to drive. Your mama gut's got to be telling you he is not okay to drive. Yeah. Mama and papa gut. I mean, Chris has something yeah. to do with this too. What? The father has something. I mean, Mike, Mike, Mike. Who's Chris? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Christopher. Yeah. Chris? Chris, get off the couch and go, Chris. <laughs> Chris, you are not the father. Mike is the father. <laughs> well, Mike could have just gotten in the car and driven too. My goodness. I know. That's true. Mike, what are you doing? Sleeping? Like, what are you guys doing too? Okay. Unpause. He says he's going to stop and sleep. And Karen says, yeah, that's probably a good idea. And this is the last time she ever speaks to her son. Around 8 a.m., there is a knock at Mike and Karen's front door. It is California Highway Patrol officers. They ask if they owned a 2003 Toyota Highlander and had it been stolen. They report that no, it was the vehicle they provided for their son. And police officers tell them that at 5.30 a.m. that morning at Castaic, Castaic I think it's it was pronounced differently everywhere but i think it's castaic lake about an hour and a half away a construction worker found the car abandoned and wrecked off an access road off a 25 foot embankment oh geez the vehicle was on its side the back window had been kicked out or removed with some kind of an emergency tool now bryce's Laptop, phone, wallet, credit cards, all of that was still found in or around the car. So his laptop, his phone, all of that was in the vehicle. Outside of the vehicle was his wallet and his duffel bag. Uh, the duffel bag was opened as if something was grabbed out of it. Just something to make note of when we discuss possibilities later and that was found like i said outside of the vehicle um but like also why a duffel bag if you were going to just break up with kim remember that's where this all started you were going to just break up with her and then head back to campus so why did you have a duffel bag just in case the he spent the night keys true keys were still in the ignition uh there was like a drop of blood up front like where he, where he uh the airbag had it exploded oh, okay um and then there was a drop of blood in the back seat where he had probably climbed out and then kicked out the back window or used a tool to kick out the back window to get out of the vehicle 
Okay. Yeah. So not like a ton of blood where like he had just been totally blood right. everywhere. It was literally like little droplets. So the other piece of evidence that was up for debate all over the internet is that evidence showed that Bryce had accelerated when he drove off the access road and down the embankment. Dirt had kicked up behind the tires and it showed that he hadn't Right. He didn't break. He didn't break. Uh, it led investigators to believe he was driving off the road into the lake, trying to intentionally. Right. Okay. Um, so it's really hard to explain this area uh, where the crash happened from where he was. It did look like if he were to just drive straight out, he would drive off and land right into the lake little did he know though he was really far from the lake it it fell down a 25 foot embankment onto another road oh wow and then there was like a bunch of stuff that led to the lake from there an access road that led to the lake so the access road is where his car was found Mm -hmm. on its side Yes, the suicide thing can be an argument. He was trying to commit suicide because in the dark, because remember, this is like at two in the morning, he would have just seen Lake and just Lord accelerated it. Mm-hmm. to go. Now, the other thing to discuss, though, too, is that there is a gate around that same road. So maybe he didn't see the gate. And so sometimes when, I don't know, when you're half asleep like he probably was because he had been up uh, some resources even said leading up to the whole going driving over to Kim's to break up he had been up for two days prior playing video games on that Vyvanse stuff barely oh doing goodness. getting any sleep because he had been doing that Vyvanse so you have all of no sleep for two days and now all of this so he has no sleep for three to four days now and he's driving, has no idea where he is. And even so, if you're not, if you exclude the suicide, all of a sudden he's, he just sees road and then a gate and then you get confused. And sometimes you're trying, maybe he's trying to swerve around the gate. So he hit the gas in the, just, you know, the tension of what was happening and he swerved and he's pressing the gas, but or no here. was hit. Throw something else out. Maybe he was so flustered that he tried to put on the brake, but instead stepped on the gas. Mm-hmm. You know, Absolutely. Because- we have no idea what happened in that vehicle. We have no idea what happened in that vehicle. Suicide is definitely like the number one thing that people have discussed, I guess, or, you know, try to pinpoint this. But leading up to this, the two weeks, you know, he got dropped off at school leading up to that. Nothing of significance, but at- something happened somewhere. Something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I am far from done. So don't, oh. sorry. I'm not, I'm not winding down here. Uh, where am I in my notes? I am at, oh, pause. Let's chat. That's where I am at. Do you have any questions? <laughs> Do you have any questions for me? Uh, why was he out at such an abandoned, you know, park lake area? 
Was he trying to find a secluded area to park to sleep? Was that really why he was out there? I mean, where, what do you, what are your thoughts kind of right now? I mean, it could have been, I, I mean, he's not familiar with the area. I wouldn't think, at all. but he did not spend the summer there. So maybe he had found no, this place. Not here. Not there, but it's only an hour away from home. Not here. Not an out, not an outdoorsy guy at all. Okay. Nope. Okay. So he'd never been there. Um, Maybe he just did see the sign and pulled over instead of pulling over on the road. He thought he'd pull into some place to sleep. Or maybe he saw it as a place to hide from everybody because everybody kept bothering him in the parking lot. <laughs> so maybe he, he's like, well, I'm going to find <laughs> a bush to hide under here in the state park. Or maybe suicide was on the table. So dive crews uh, were out there and cadaver dogs, tons of search crews, posters, a huge billboard right near the highway exit where his car was discovered, was put up. His girlfriend, or ex-girlfriend, Kim, uh, gave clothes with his scent for the dogs. Uh, the, they did two searches for with the dogs. The first search led from the car down the embankment towards the lake and then walked along the shore of the lake. And then they lost the scent. The second search did the exact same thing, uh, but... It walked along the shore of the lake, and then they actually crossed over the dam, uh, over the lake, southward, toward a truck rest stop, and then it just stopped. So, did that mean that he hitched a ride? You've got the long-distance truckers there that are going cross-country. Everywhere. everywhere. So... Did he, you know, how did he know that the truck stop was there? Did he see lights? Like, I don't know the area. Well, maybe he saw it on his GPS. Yeah, could have. I mean, it's 2013. I don't know how accurate GPSs were. I mean, but yeah, the, the only thing is, is like, did he see lights? Did he see it on his GPS? Um, did he know it was there? Was he planning on meeting somebody there? Like, Oh, was his this friends? A, was this a plan? Yeah. This, those friends from before uh, that he, well, before, like what he mentioned before. Yeah. And I searched the map on Google Maps myself because I was trying to figure out this location. The closest truck stop to this lake is far away. Like he had to have walked. So, and he his parents and several friends reported he was not the outdoorsy type. Like he did not like the outdoors at all. So I found that very interesting. Yes. So maybe I, I don't, I don't know. Sorry. I'm plugging in my car or my car. I'm plugging in, my in car. your car. <laughs> I'm GPSing in my head. <laughs> A camera, which is located on Lake Hughes road near lake castaic it saw bryce's 2003 toyota highlander going up the road at 2 15 a.m so this camera only caught the back license plates so it only saw going one direction mm-hmm. and it saw the car at 2 15 so this is only minutes after he was talking to his mother on the phone if you remember right right so then the okay. exact same camera saw his car again 
at 429 heading in the same direction. So that means he was going zigzag. He was going up the road, back down the road, then up the road and back down the road. And this is a long, windy road, dark, windy road. I thought he was going to go sleep. So this is. I'm so confused. Two hours of back and forth on this road. So again, those arguing suicide are saying he's contemplating the suicide thing. Like he's, he's figuring out how, you know, all of the, you know, the contemplation of the suicide. There was a three week search and the lake is very large. It's a very rural, lots of woods open land there's a dam like i mentioned some argue it's just too big of an area that his body is out there it just and just hasn't been found others argue that this search was so intense it was three weeks and so intense september 4th 2013 a jogger reported a fire in the woods uh three miles from where Bryce's car was found. It was a body, not Bryce's. It was a LA murder victim's body. That had been set on fire? Mm-hmm. PI took, uh, there was a private investigator that took this case on pro bono to help the family. And she was taking the, she was playing more of the foul play aspect for the family then the suicide they didn't agree with the suicide and they wanted to fight that and so they were doing foul play she also thought that he possibly had hit his head really hard and so he was very disoriented maybe he did get in a truck and didn't know who he was or where he was headed but like i said that billboard went up right by that truck stop bryce's of look at that smile look at that red hair look at those green eyes and that tattoo like he sticks out he's not just He's a very distinguished looking young Mm -hmm. man. You would know. You would know that you had Bryce Lespiza in your car. You would know. I just. uh, She hired uh, sonar specialists that searched the lake for two days. They did 12 hour searches each day. Some parts of that lake reach 300 feet deep. So it's a very deep lake and they did sonar searches and they discovered absolutely nothing. The other possibility, I'm just kind of throwing all these possibilities out there and then we can kind of chat. Um, The other possibility was a psychiatric episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's at that age where these do start to kind of make themselves themselves known the other thing that Vivance does do is it can create manic episodes. And if this doesn't sound like a manic episode to me, I don't really know what does. Uh, interviewing friends and family, everyone said he was acting really weird beginning of his sophomore year. Everybody said he, remember, he was drinking heavier. Everybody said he was drinking much heavier at parties. And actually, Sean, his roommate, said that he was giving some of his possessions away. He Ooh, gave that's Sean not a good thing. No, he gave Sean his Xbox as well as diamond stud earrings that Karen had given him. He gave to Sean. When did he give those to him? Like a week 
not even a week before. I'm talking about Sean. The day after Sean had made that call to Karen about his concern with Bryce, mm-hmm. there was a text exchange between Sean and Bryce. And I'm going to read it to you. Bryce texts Sean, quote, love you, bro. Seriously, you are the best person I have ever met. You've saved my soul. Sean said, I love you too, man. You have an amazing life full of love and blessings. Don't waste that. You have too many people that love you, Bryce. Hmm. I'm just speculating here, obviously, but the boys obviously, the guys obviously talked about something. So was it just as easy as, was it, is it just as simple as Sean told Bryce, hey man, I'm really worried about this Vivance and drinking thing. You got a problem with the drinking. I called your mom and Bryce is like, thanks for doing that. I obviously have a problem with drinking. I love you. I got to get this. I got to get this crap together. Or was it a suicide thing? Like I got something going on and they talked about suicide. Like, was there something deeper? Like, but they didn't even have to talk about suicide with him giving away his possessions and acting real weird and stuff. That would, that's probably the first thing that Sean thought of with him leaving like it did. And he's trying to call mm-hmm. him back and say, you know, I mean, you know, the word suicide was not even brought up, but you know, Sean is trying to be a friend and saying, you know, we love you. You're loved. Yeah. You, you've got so much going for you. Please don't do this. Yeah. Sean thinks that Bryce is still alive out there and is probably doing this by choice on his own alive, just chose to start over. But I just, how, like, I mean this with respect because there's a lot of kids out there that still live off mommy and daddy's money, but like he was living off mommy and daddy's money. He didn't have a job. His parents paid for everything for him. He drove his parents' car. They paid for his insurance, his gas, you know, like they paid for everything for him. So I don't understand like, okay, so the Vivance is like, yeah, that's a a big thing. That's a big drug. Sure. But like did it cause this much of a life derailment in the two weeks that he started it? Now, remember Bryce's parents said that that summer everything was normal and there's nothing out of the ordinary. Well, records indicate that Bryce had actually been arrested and charged with a misdemeanor drug charge. He was found with 20 to 30 grams of cannabis. That's a lot. Yeah. He was ordered uh, 12 months supervision, uh, $7,500. He was charged with intent to, he was not charged with intent to distribute, but. No, that's, that's surprising. I thought so too. I mean, that's a lot of weed to not be distributing it, but that makes you wonder, was he meeting a drug dealer? Was he in too far with something on those drug, terms drug related i mean i went down so many black holes for years i've been obsessed with this case i was so excited to finally cover it you know a lot of people have written their own experiences with work you know quote unquote meeting up with drug dealers and you meet on their time so if you're sitting in a parking lot for two days waiting for this drug dealer to come and show up and 
you're waiting there for two days and they're like so this doesn't really strike me as weird if he's sitting in a parking lot waiting for this guy or whatever and i'm like okay but I, the, but the car the, but, the, but, the, but the police did a search and how was he contacting the drug dealer like they've the phone was left in the car so did, did he have a burner phone but the police did a search so wouldn't they find a burner phone not necessarily because that isn't what they were looking for yeah but don't but they took everything out of the car like everything out of his bags like they took everything out and did a search a full search because when he talked to his mom, she's like, what are you doing? And he's like, putting everything back in my car and everything back in my bag because I searched all my stuff. And she's like, no, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Meaning some friends. What friends? <laughs> what friends? You don't know anybody where you're at. And what about the duffel bag? What did he grab out of the duffel bag? And why was his wallet out next to the duffel bag? Did he grab cash? From the wallet and then just... Because no one knows how much cash it. he was carrying. Mm -mm. Was it enough to survive and never log into any of his accounts? Because he hasn't logged into any of his accounts. I don't believe anywhere. that. I, hasn't I, even logged into social media. Oh, are we nothing. doing our own thoughts right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pause. <laughs> I didn't hear that word, so I was a little baffled. <laughs> I don't think that he started a new life. I mean, I commend Sean for having that much hope, but I just, I don't think he's with us anymore. And I don't know the drug, the meeting a drug dealer, but we're going from marijuana to super highfalutin drug dealer drugs. That fast. Yeah. I and mean, like that's... drinking in college, like. He drank in high school. A lot of reports from friends said like he was that guy that would actually bring alcohol to high school. Like he was a drinker. He was a mm. partier. He had fun. So, you know, we all we all drank. Well, no, we all, but those on Killer Hangover podcast, we all drank <laughs> as hosts here, drank in college. So, you know, that it's neither here nor there. I can't judge a guy for partying in college or can't judge a guy for partying in high school i the amounts though yeah amounts, that's what i was much going to say. it went up and the hard liquor and then doing a heavy duty drug on top of it so much so that your personality is changing that your friends are calling your mom something happened but what would happen in the matter of two weeks unless Something was going down at home that summer, and she was really just totally she. I keep blaming Karen. You're right. Mike was there, too. They were really just totally oblivious, oblivious to, to their kid. But they knew he had been arrested. It was $7,000 they paid. I mean, they knew that he had been arrested for drugs. Yep. So, I mean, was that really a normal summer for them? <laughs> Nothing unusual. Yeah. I know. I mean, was I he mean, trying to, was he drinking and taking the drugs and stuff to, to forget something that had happened to him? I know that that's what I'm thinking. I mean, something happened, something he witnessed, something or something he did that he wanted to forget. I don't know him just sitting in those random places 
and just sitting there. Was he just so out on that Vyvanse that he really just didn't sleep for four days? He was really just that. I mean, it's like that sleep experiment. That, yeah, sleep experiment that's what I'm thinking. Stuff. He was beginning to become a zombie. <laughs> no, laughing aside, this is horrible. I, I think he was having a psychotic episode, whether it was lack too. of sleep, lack of sleep and the, the emotional drug. just, um, yeah. I mean, boy, it sure would solve a lot of things to have, you know, a tox report, right? But without even finding his body, I mean, he, that the way you made it sound that park is so vast that he could have gotten out of his car. Who knows? I mean, he might've been so befuddled and so uh, that he just walked away. I mean, maybe he grabbed, I don't know, a pair of gloves. I mean, I don't know what was in his backpack, but, or his duffel bag, but Maybe he just wandered, you know, not knowing he was wandering even, and he's in the brush somewhere. I I just don't see somebody wandering so far that a huge search, I mean, this search was huge, wouldn't be able to find him. That that's, that's my only thing is he obviously got in, got out of his vehicle and then where'd he go? And think about, think about how perfect Karen has their relationship sound, but look at his actions versus her words. He didn't even want to call his mom. And although on the road, was he really ever really heading home or was he just driving? Wandering. Yeah. What was it like behind closed doors? That perfect image can be really heavy to carry sometimes. One conspiracy being that Bryce grabbed something out of that duffel bag, like I said, and dipped, heading out to start a new life for himself. And like you mentioned before, he's 19 years old. So if he was found, there's no obligation to report that they found him. If he if he says don't. Right. Correct. The homeless population in and around the area has been searched, uh, but that population is so gosh darn big unfortunately and if he doesn't want to be found like i said anytime a homeless man with red hair is reported to be seen the photo is posted online in all of the forums at claiming to possibly be bryce and there are so many forums and facebook groups the story is alive and well just like i think bryce is personally i think he's alive and well Um, because this is, uh, like I said, the age of a psychotic break, mental illness, where am I now in my notes? Oh, this is the age of a psychiatric break, mental illness. This is the age where they start to exhibit the illness. That's true. But if so, where did he go? And if this was suicide, where's the body? Where did he go? And if he wandered off because he was discombobulated, whatever, where did he go? you'd think by now this story has been covered that tattoo on his shoulder it's very unique his look is unique where did he go i you know maybe with the drug thing maybe he was shoved off the road by the drug people the drug people the drug people i don't know this is extremely baffling 
And that is the mysterious disappearance of Bryce Lespisa. In that odd, you just have a strong feeling he's still alive. And I have a very strong feeling he's not with us anymore. I just feel like if he were dead, they would have found the body by now. Because if he would have died in the crash, they would have found the body in or around the vehicle. I just Mm -mm. don't see... He didn't die in the crash because he kicked in the window and everything. Exactly. He didn't die in the lake because he was too far from the lake. And even discombobulated, I don't think he would have just like walked into the lake. Well, plus they searched. They would have found his body. Yeah. So walking to the truck stop and then just disappearing. Maybe he just got into the wrong car and we got into Ted Bundy's car. I don't know. Ted Bundy's dead, but still maybe like, you know, a Ted Bundy. It's a horrible joke. It's a horrible joke. I'm not meaning to make light of anything, but you know what I'm saying. Like maybe he just got into the wrong person's car. Wrong car. But I guess that's the only thing I can think of besides the fact that I think he just just had it. But had it with what? I I was going to say had it with what? He had everything. What did he want to talk to his mom about? Yeah. Why say those words? Uh, Maybe just to appease her. Mom, don't come out here. We have a lot to talk about. What? 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 See, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to sleep just if my if my kid said that to me. I wouldn't be able to sleep just from that. I'd say, uh, no. We're either talking on the phone, or you will see me you, in five hours. If you're driving from Kim's house now, you can talk to me on the way home. <laughs> but I wouldn't have let him drive. So, Mm-mm. you sit there. I'm coming to get you. And we can drive the whole way home together and you can talk to me then. And you just leave your car at Kim's. It'll be fine. I'll drive nine hours. I'll be there soon. Well, it wasn't, it was five hours. From Kim's? No. Yeah. She was, it was eight hours to his school. Yeah. So she was still like seven and a half. I don't care. I would have driven it. I would have too. That's like... Or maybe what I do now, especially I would have been there. Your father and I will drive up there. He can drive your car back. You will drive with me and you will talk to me, whatever you need to talk about. Mm -hmm. Or you can just sleep. Well, and and the fact that he was giving his stuff away, that could be two things. That could be he knew he was going to start a new life. Or suicide. He knew he was going to commit suicide. I know, mom. I know. Wow. I'm just, it's a head scratcher. (laughs) My goodness. Told you it was a doozy. That one is a doozy. How come I've never heard of it? Hmm. I have been obsessed with it for years. Years? Mm -hmm. I guess it's my turn. Mm -hmm. It's your turn. Got a story for me, mom? I do. It's kind of a fun story, but it's haunted. Does That's it have haunting, anything to do? It's a with... hauntingly fun story. Is that what I move this airplanes? I can't. No. <laughs> then why did you pick the aviation? Drink? Oh, child. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you ready? She's ignoring me. <laughs> Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. Bisbee is a city. In southeastern part of Arizona. Bisbee. Isn't that a fun? Bisbee. It is a really fun word. <laughs> I need to get comfortable. It's about 11 miles from the Mexican Throw border. my notes. 
And this little town has quite the history from mining to labor strikes to race riots. So it is a little Tommy town. But there's a lot that has gone on. Now I'm not going to talk about Tommy Knockers. Oh, the moments, but, no more you know, Tommy Knockers. You had already covered that. Um, oh, we it, could cover that it, week after week, though. That was fun. It was. Um, it's a little town that's really quaint and is kind of like back in time. So it's a really fun place to you know, back that way, not that way. That's forward, but this way. <laughs> anyway, it's a quaint little place and there's a nice little bed and breakfast there. It's called the Oliver House. Cute. Now, I think that you should go to the Oliver House because you are guaranteed to have a haunting experience in the Oliver House. Okay. It dates back to 1906. I love the name Oliver. I I had a crush on a boy named Oliver when I was in high school. And but just the name Oliver. Alex never liked it. He never wanted to name our kids Oliver. Excuse me for Oh, sorry. Pause. I like the name Oliver. <laughs> I just think of more suit, please. Why? Oliver Twist. Yeah. Unpause. <laughs> I'm not pausing and I'm pausing in this story. Okay. So we all know that Beth likes the name Oliver. All right. Now, this bed and breakfast dates back to 1908. Henry Oliver was a mining tycoon who was married to Edith. And it was Edith who wanted to build this house. She had like the house Edith. made of bricks because of the many fires. So the wolf wouldn't blow it down. She had the house made of bricks because of the fires around and in Bisbee. Mm. Why are there so many fires there? Because I don't know. It, it gets hot. You know, it's Arizona and things are built of wood. So so because it was built of bricks, it's probably why the house is still standing. Right. Because. OK. Several years after it was built, the Oliver House became a boarding house for local miners. Then in 1986, it was bought by Dennis Schrantz, who turned it into a bed and breakfast. Okay. Now, looking at pictures, the Oliver House looks charming. Sitting on the hill, the red brick really stands out because there's trees around it. And then just like up on this hill, this blop of red. It really stands out. Oh, I bet it's pretty. Yeah. It is very pretty. Uh, but charming turns interesting as one goes to enter the house. The only way to the door is to walk on an across an old bridge and then through an old gate and finally to the front door. I mean, the bridge is like wood and then it's got rope handles. You know, it almost looks to me like a swaying bridge. Like a it's swinging not, bridge? But, but that's sort of what it looks like in pictures. Okay, so the inside of the bed and breakfast, you can see the two-level home has been kept up very, very well. It looks clean and comfortable. But there is a reason that I'm covering this site. This building has had 27 deaths, including a mass bridge. murder. What? I said probably from the swinging bridge. but No, it's all inside that place and including a mass murder. There could have been even more deaths, but because of the many fires in the town historical records have been destroyed with that history it should come as no surprise that there are many spirits in this house 
Let me just tell you of a few. <laughs> we'll start with the murder of Nat Anderson. He was a miner who was residing in the Oliver house. He also happened to owe a man from town a lot of money. He was a gambler. And to add to that, he happened to be sleeping with the man's wife. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. As we all know, in small towns, there's not very many well-kept secrets. So the man did find out about Nat and his wife. All right. Yeah, but did he ever get his money? I don't think so. Because the man <laughs> found out about the affair and won. And won and last. And... <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Okay, I wrote this in Mexico, okay? Might have been with a few cocktails. Okay. Um, <laughs> and while Nat and his wife, the man's wife, were having a little tryst, the husband stormed into Nat's room, shot him square between the eyes, and then shot him in the back as Nat fell to the floor. The man never got his money back, but he sure put an end to the other problem. <laughs> Here's the twist. The man was never arrested. He had made some kind of con uh, commotion on the bridge. I remember the bridge I mentioned How long earlier. is this bridge? Yeah, I know, but I'm like, I'm trying to picture this. Is this it's like, not huge. It, uh, like like the bridge in Shrek, like a big, long, swinging bridge? Or is no, like no. It's, okay. it's like a little bridge over a little, you know, stream. But is it? Is it a swinging bridge? No, it's not a swinging bridge. No, it's not a swinging bridge. No, it's okay. just an old bridge. Okay. So he had made all this commotion on the bridge. Then before he got to Nat's room, before he shot him, he stole some money from two other residents, making it look like he was a robber trying to escape when he ran out of the house. Okay. Oh. So he made it look like he had caused this commotion he was a robber he was running out of the house so so even though we witnesses, didn't know he was him yeah it did he they didn't know that he was a murderer not really a robber yes smart Got guy that? he was very smart my goodness i cannot read this um well if he was smart he'd get his money back though i mean or he was too nice he killed a man i don't think he was that nice <laughs> the man was taking everything he had i mean my goodness uh nat's death still remains unsolved even today but it's not like, unsolved we, we know he did we it. know who did it but he's never been arrested for it so it still remains like this unsolved case <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> that's shot number four of tequila in mexico <laughs> Oh, we just solved one. We episode one hundred and forty nine. We just solved a case. We did it. We did it. We just solved a cold case. Except you keep calling him the man, so I really don't know what the man's name is. You kept saying <laughs> a man's wife, the man and man. the wife. That's all. They so I guess it is still cold because we don't know what the man's name is well <laughs> <The> shoot. Man. <laughs> shoot all right the room where nat was shot was in room number 13 certainly unlucky for him but if you're into hauntings then this is a lucky room for you 
because that spirit still remains in the room. That's shot number five of tequila for mom. (laughs) Guests in this room hear footsteps, find cold spots, and feel as if they're being watched. And if that's not enough, Nat's apparition has been seen by several people. Supposedly. Who shot him? I think I even saw his apparition. (laughs) All the way in Mexico. Supposedly, a DJ from a radio station in the area took a bet, $100, betting that he would not be able to stay the entire night in the room. Okay, so he if he stayed in room 13 all night, he would get this $100. The story goes that when he opened the room to open the door to room 13, he was met by Nat's apparition, just like that. He was standing there. That was all it took. The DJ took off ran out of the no. bed breakfast and forfeited his money. Well, just a hundred dollars, but still weak. <laughs> Infidelity happened again in 1932 when a policeman discovered his wife and her lover in bed in the blue room. Mm. And I think this is called the blue Ooh. room because a police had something to do with it. So I okay. get it things were named after these episodes the police shot and killed his <laughs> wife and the man then jeez, oh, <laughs> another unnamed man who was having an affair then proceeded and an to- unnamed assailant as well <laughs> please now we know police. at least it's a police at least we know his occupation <laughs> oh then he proceeded to shoot and kill 10 other people in the oliver house Oh my gosh, what? Then he ran to the river and shot and killed himself. So that's the mass murder. Guests staying in the blue room feel a heavy, dark feeling in the room. They hear footsteps. They hear footsteps and disembodied voices. There have been reports of guests hearing gunfire and someone crying for help. Oh, that's horrible. Mm. Staff have found the furniture in the room moved, even though there has been no one in the room. That's actually really sad. (laughs) Sorry. Not all the spirits in the Oliver house are aggressive, though. Oh. (laughs) There is the guest of an older woman who is seen rocking in a rocking chair. Do we know her name? (laughs) When she is seen. (laughs) I love all these unnamed characters. Even the cheating women don't have names. (laughs) Nobody has a name, okay? Reports say that the broken cuckoo clock in the room will stroke would strike at two a.m. So if she's Ooh. seen if she's seen rocking in the chair, then the cuckoo <laughs> clock will go off at two a.m. Can you imagine cuckoo cuckoo? Can you imagine though waking up and seeing a woman just rocking in a rocking chair in a cuckoo bird? Actually, if I out. walked into a bed and breakfast and there's a rocking chair in the room. I just that scare me anyway. If I knew the history of the place and just saw the there's, there's like chair. so many stories of rocking chairs, yeah. rocking chairs, yeah. And then a cuckoo clock, I'd be like, oh hell no, that's gonna wake me up every hour. <laughs> that's okay, it doesn't work. <laughs> okay, Only can you guess the name of this room? The cuckoo rocking. <laughs> the grandma room. Oh. <laughs> That was Supposedly, she died guess. in the room, a natural death. 
but I guess she liked the house and decided to stay. Now, there is one report of her becoming eh, a little aggressive. Um, the old woman became angry, and I think for a really good reason. Oh. When new owners bought the Oliver house, they redecorated the room for their young son, removing the rocking chair and the cuckoo clock. When the little boy entered his room, Oh, whacked upside the head. Oh, it was not like he did it. His parents he did ran it. crying to his parents that a mean old lady had hit him upside the head. The next day, there was indeed a bruise on the little boy's forehead. A bruise on the child's head? Again, an unnamed character child. But, oh my gosh, she really whacked him. Jeez. <laughs> That's aggressive. <laughs> it's an innocent child. That's, that's like the most aggressive of all the spirits. <laughs> yeah. The other ones didn't hit you. The other ones are residual screams from their murders, but this lady's whacking kids. I mean, that's that's a little that's a little more dangerous for me. <laughs> It's not even his fault. I mean, his parents redecorated. He Give didn't. me my rocking chair and my cook-a-cook. <laughs> I only rock once a week and let my cuckoo go off at 2 a.m. Believe it or not, the second floor is not. even more active. Oh, no. Guests that stay there report an intense feeling of being watched. Doors open and close. Lights turn on and off. The sounds of parties heard in the middle of the night, finding nothing when they look for the sound. They also hear someone working on pipes. Someone. On some random pipes. I don't know. Pipes. Pipes. <laughs> the plum room, which is also on the second floor. Professor Plum? Guests, plum from Professor Plum, yeah. Oh. Their guests... They're feel cold spots, not just cold, but freezing. Oh, they also feel a weird presence in the room with them. The shutters on the windows and doors and other room. Huh? <laughs> the shutters, windows, and doors in another room, the purple sage room, open and oh. close on their own. I have so many purpley named rooms. <laughs> Those are the rooms on the top floor. Purple, sage. So you really room. can't can't lose in this place. You just lose consciousness in the cuckoo room if you move the rocking chair. I, I, I would choose not to go to grandma's room. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll watch all the other stuff, but I don't want to go to grandma's room. I'll watch all the other stuff. I don't mind the banging on pipes throughout the night. That's fine. But <laughs> just Oh, I don't, I'll be fine. I don't know what grandma. she's going to be in. <laughs> okay, so that's the Oliver House in Bisbee, oh, Arizona. I hate to tell you, my story was in California. Why did you cover Arizona? <laughs> what does aviation have to do at all? So what is your what i thought your cocktail was supposed to have some cool reason it had nothing to do with your story you said your cocktail has something to do with your story it didn't 
I'm going to move in another direction. Oh, you have another story? Now, this is just for you. Okay. <laughs> but you wanted it's to do the Oliver House because... It's regarding the boneyard or the graveyard. Oh, no, 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 no. Not for oh, humans. I know this. I know this. I know but this. But for I planes. Know. No. Oh, God. Oh, Mom. Just so Dutch. Ugh. Do you know that there's a place up here in Missouri? Mm-hmm. But this is the, even bigger. You drive by on 70 mm-hmm. and, oh, it's like a... I think they like do parts or something for planes yeah. there. I don't know. I looked yeah. it up once because every time we drive by, I'm like, there's so many planes there. I'm like, what is that place? And so I pulled it up on Google Maps and there's like tons of planes there. Yeah, Missouri is one of them. There's a few around the country, but this one happens to be the biggest one. Oh the my God. I don't 309 know. Aerospace Maintenance and Regener- Regeneration Group. So it's called AMROG, <laughs> A-M-A-R-G is located in Tucson, Arizona. Why I'm covering Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> no, I the beginning of my story is even in Illinois. <laughs> well, somewhere between there is Arizona. So maybe they passed through Arizona to get... I don't know. Oh my God, maybe Bryce Lespies is living in Arizona now. Maybe <laughs> self-consciously, you just knew. <laughs> Ew! All right. This is in the Davis Monthan Monthan uh, Air Force Base. At this site, there are four thousand four hundred aircrafts, and is the largest aircraft boneyard in the world. No, Tucson was chosen because of its low humidity, low rainfall, alkaline soil, and high altitude. Oh, All of God. this together reduces rust and corrosion, and the hard oh, ground God. makes it easy to move the aircrafts. No pavement necessary. Nope. So why are planes stored? And I guess you probably already know this answer when you research. <laughs> they are kept and maintained for future use. Two, they're used for spare parts. Three, some are kept for short stays rather than long term. And four, they're sold off whole or in parts. Now, all our listeners and viewers, I know that this is not scary at all. But as you saw, Beth is terrified of air, aircraft. Not necessarily, you're not scared of flying. You're just scared of the planes themselves. So I thought I'd spook Beth with the picture of 4,400 planes surrounding her in the Arizona Desert. Oh, meanwhile, in the desert even. Please have a like... drink with aviation. <laughs> so it's not haunted or anything. Well, you know, some people say it is, but I don't think it really is. It's just it's haunted to you, and that's the reason why I chose it. I didn't think you'd act quite so violently, but <laughs> I don't think you understand how scary it is to me. I know that's why I chose it. <laughs> Like, I recovered and heebie-jeebies, my toes are curled. Like, goose pimples covering my body. Chicken bumps. Chicken bumps everywhere. The end. The end. Unpause. Pause. Pause. Unpause. I don't know. 
<laughs> oh. Okay, well. Okay, can we go on? If there's more? No, there's more. <laughs> I don't know if I can I don't know if I could bear it. <laughs> oh. Well, listeners, all the laughter there that Beth and I truly do have a very good time together. But all good things must come to an end. Pause. <laughs> all good things must pause. There you go. Yeah. This is not the end. It's a pause. And there will be a second season. We just don't know when. Beth is a little, no, she's a lot bogged down. And I totally support her in this decision. I mean, I watched the baby for 10 days and I couldn't get to the podcast at all. She's got three more on top of that. And I <sighs> don't know how the child can do the research, write it up, edit everything, social media. I mean, she she did it all. And I'm very grateful for these three and a half years that we've had together that we could do this. But almost now it's time four. to put it on pause. Almost four. Yes, almost four. But it's time to just put it on pause right now. Let the kids grow up a little bit, get to school. Once they start school, you know, we may be going into our second season. Yeah. Yeah. A little sad announcement. I'm really sorry. But it was a very, very, very hard. I'll see all the varies to whoever left that comment. What was that two years ago? Beth's used too many varies. <clears throat> it was a very hard decision to make, but I can only be the best of me in so many things. And I got to be a really good mom- mommy right now. We are going to put out episode 150. We're not leaving on Yeah, this is not the end. We're going to 150 people. <laughs> next, our next episode is going to be our last. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. 150 bizarreties. We're going to go out with some fun stories. Please keep listening, you know, re-listening. We're still here. I'm not taking anything down. We're still going to be here. It was just a lot of work. And like mom said, we want to come back. It's just, I need to find a better timing and rhythm and everything with, uh, I mean, this child, I put her down on the floor and she's already three rooms over within seconds. It's getting crazy right now. <laughs> so. And a two-year-old uh, at home. So. And a two-year-old. Your hands are full and I'm sure that everybody understands. I certainly do, my dear. But we have one more. We have one more mm-hmm. and we're not saying goodbye. And there may be something else in the works. So more on that mm-hmm. next time. <laughs> yes. But for episode 149, for all of our resources, pictures, check out the website. The mom works so hard at killerhangoverpodcast.com. You can find all of our socials and everything there. Uh, but please leave a review. Leave whatever you'd like. Leave us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We did tell our patrons um, earlier that we were cutting out for now. And we've gotten such lovely, lovely comments. We do and really messages. love hearing from all of you. I it mean, really that, does. Just, that really touched my heart to read those messages that they sent us. It so, does. Um, so I'm, I'm open to more. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. Uh, but like we've got 150 coming up. So stay tuned. Yes. This was a good one, Mama. This was a good one, even though I creeped you out. That was just that was just unnecessary. <laughs> Cheers, Mama. Cheers, boing. <laughs>
I love you, kid. <laughs>